You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Here's Cantor. What are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and host of the 312 show on AM 1590 WCGO in Chicago. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Locked On and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Our text and voicemail lines at 331 979 1369. You guys have been phenomenal with the voicemails, the text messages, keeping the conversation going during the dead period of the NBA. So we really appreciate that. You want to drop us a line this weekend, something comes up on your mind. Hit us up, 331-979-1369. Welcome back. We're here to drive you into the weekend. Have some really cool things to talk about on today's show. Uh, going to give you guys a little bit of a Joakim Noah update, as well as a few comparisons, I think, for Lowry Marketing, not only in his rookie year, but some players that maybe he might turn into. Uh, so we'll dive deeper into those numbers. But we do have a really, really cool announcement here on Locked on Bulls. But before we do that... Matt, what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing great, Jordan. Happy Friday, Bulls Nation. Hope everybody is looking forward to another uh, beautiful summer weekend in Chicago. And uh, Jordan, I, I got one question for you, my friend. Have you been practicing your bowling skills this summer? <laughs> That's Because it is on. That's something that uh, that's I'm going to have to pick up here in the next 30 days. But like you had Dude, said, you are screwed. You are so screwed. Oh, uh, like you said, we, you know, we went back and forth back in May for the listeners that have been around for a long time now. Uh, maybe you just picked this show up in the last few weeks or over the last month or so. So we started this thing on the podcast, and I don't know where it came from. It came from a video in on the Bulls did during the season of Bobby Portis, and it was like 47 seconds of random things with Bobby Portis. And in the video, he had there had been a one quote where they had asked him, like, what's your most skilled thing outside of 
basketball or what's your unusual skill? And he said he's the best bowler in his region. So I think I told you, Matt, I'm like, I for sure could be Bobby Portis in a bowling game. One thing led to another. You you were talking mad game, dude. (laughs) We tweeted at him and sure enough, he was down to do it. We didn't want to announce anything until we were for sure that this was going to happen. But yes, in fact, it is on. We will be doing a holding a live event with Bobby Portis and maybe a few others, too, from the Chicago Bulls, uh, September 8th. And we'll have some more details on that as well. But Saturday, September 8th, mark your calendars for that. Uh, this is going to be an open event, too. We're going to be selling tickets for people who want to join us, join Bobby Portis. This is going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm going to have to get to the bowling alley multiple times over the next 30 days or so. You are going to have to practice if you don't want to get embarrassed, Jordan. Uh, we have settled, as Jordan said, on a date, and that is Saturday, September 8th. So uh, just a little less than a month from right now. And the venue we have settled on is King's Dining and Entertainment of Lincoln Park, address 1500 North Clybourne Avenue, right in the heart of Lincoln Park here in Chicago. And that venue was specifically chosen by none other than Bobby Portis. I was on the phone with his agency yesterday, and uh, we had reached out to a few different venues when we began these preliminary talks earlier this summer just to gauge their interest and availability um, and and accommodation of of large groups of people in events like this. And we had one in mind, and we uh, gave that information to Bobby's agency, and they turned around and talked to Bobby, and Bobby said, no, 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 don't go to that one. We should go to King's because the wood on their lanes is much higher quality and their alleys are much better for real bowlers. So clearly I took that to mean, okay, well, A, whatever Bobby wants, Bobby gets. That's where we'll go. B, Jordan is in serious trouble (laughs) if Bobby knows the difference between different kinds of wood on bowling alleys. Like, dude, you are so screwed. He's going to mop the floor with you. Hey, that's all right. I saw a picture about a month ago on Instagram, and he was at the bowling alley, and he shot a 161. So I'm not that nervous. I'm a pretty solid bowler. I mean, 161's a respectable score, but it's not like crazy professional bowling levels of scoring. But I tell you what, not many times in my life have I bowled a 161 or better. Probably fewer than 10 times have I gotten a score that good. If he shoots over 200 I might be screwed but if we are hanging around between 150 and 200 I might have a shot at this I I just I'm excited to see you get your butt kicked so we're gonna have more details in the next coming weeks for everybody who maybe wants to come out to the event we we appreciate all the support we've gotten here on Locked on Bulls just from all the listeners and I know we have a lot of people that live in the Chicagoland area might live in Illinois as well that want to attend this event so we would appreciate your support coming out and being able to meet Bobby Portis and hanging out with us and having a good night of bowling and some fun too as well. We're going to be doing a lot of different things. And so all those details we'll bring to you guys in the next coming weeks. Uh, also for the people that want to get involved that may be listening to us across the United States or even internationally, we're going to have things set up for you guys as well um, to be involved as well. Uh, your support would mean the world to Matt and I, and we appreciate you guys' support here on Locked on Bulls as well. Uh, so yeah, we'll have a couple, we'll have some more details in the coming weeks uh, for you guys but needless to say I think both Matt and I are super excited for this event it's gonna be great man it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, making invitations to other people in Chicago's sports media. Um, it sounds like from uh, my conversation with Bobby's representatives yesterday that uh, the Bulls in-house you know, media team is going to be there. They want to get some footage. They want to they want to, you know, uh, be in that presence. You know, who knows? Maybe Chuck Swirsky and Bulls TV will will 
pop in. Um, but it sounds like you and I will also get uh, an opportunity to do a quick Q&A with Bobby ourselves. Maybe we'll also have a, an opportunity for some of the fans that attend to ask Bobby some questions. Um, and one of the details we do know, uh, the information on tickets is not uh, exactly set yet and as we said as soon as we get ticket information locked down we will let you know ASAP but one of the things that we will be providing is an option for a premier ticket package that includes a Bobby Porter's Crazy Eyes t-shirt uh, which he has just started working on recently uh, as he builds his own uh, personal brand uh, the Crazy Eyes t-shirts will be at this event and we're talking about maybe doing a ticket package where you can get yourself an autographed Crazy Eyes t-shirt autographed by none other than Bobby Portis himself. So that's a cool detail. More details uh, will be rolling in in the next couple of weeks as we get more of these logistics figured out. Um, but absolutely, as Jordan said, we're excited for this event. Every, all of you who listen to our show and, and, and enjoy our content, who want to come out and hang out at a bowling alley, uh, with Bobby Portis and there might be another bull in attendance we're still working on that as well somebody else from the Mark Bartlestein agency and uh, also just uh, to speak quickly about the, the venue King's Dining and Entertainment uh, it is a, a chain there these places are all over the country in big cities and it's not just a bowling alley it is a sports bar with HD TVs all over the place it is a restaurant with pretty damn good food and it's also uh, an entire gaming experience. They have billiards, they have ping pong, they have air hockey, they have darts, they have anything you could possibly imagine, you know, video games and all that kind of stuff too. So it's kind of like a giant Dave and Buster's S kind of place. Uh, and we're just going to say, all right, give us this venue for today. And uh, and we're going to fill it with Bulls fans and a couple of Bulls, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, so please, if you can, 30 days out, if you can mark your calendars for September 8th, we'd love to see you there. Uh, it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun. So let's get to some basketball topics here on hand. Speaking of big men, former Bulls big men, uh, has been spotted in Santa Monica doing some weird things. Uh, Joakim Noah just doing Joakim Noah things. Uh, curious because it sounds like the Knicks are going to part ways with him, don't even want him back on the team. Uh, they're going to try and find some buyout. So if they do this, Matt, uh, where do you think most likely he ends up? And do you feel like he might even not end up on a roster? Or do you think uh, there are a couple teams that maybe will put out some feelers and see if they can maybe add him to the end of their rotation or the back end of their bench? Most likely place for him to land after he gets out of this Knicks deal. Yeah, it's tough to say right now just because we don't really have um, much to go on as far as what Joakim did most recently. Everybody's talking about his contract with the Knicks that that was signed when Phil Jackson was still in charge is one of the worst contracts in the NBA right now. And as much as we all love Joakim here in Chicago, from a basketball production standpoint, you can't necessarily argue with that. There was also, and I I had forgotten about this until I I read the the report from Woj and Ian Begley of ESPN uh, two days ago. He also had that twenty game suspension for an illegal substance that he tested positive for and barely he played like five or six games in the 17-18 season uh, was battling injuries and then had that and served the suspension like it's been a rough go for Joakim recently and I feel bad for him because as much as he embraced the city of Chicago and the city of Chicago embraced him as the emotional uh, fearless leader of this team in some really fun good years he's a New York kid like it was his dream to play for the Knicks and it just went so poorly to the point where now the Knicks are saying yeah 
new new head coach Dave Fisdale has little interest in bringing Joaquin back into the fold um, after he and former coach Jeff Hornacek kind of came blow to blow, and that's why Joaquin had a leave of absence there. Um, as far as where he goes from here, obviously the, the running joke on Twitter since that report came out is that, all right, well, he's clearly bound for Minnesota because, you know, he's got to reunite with Tibbs and the Timberbulls. D. Rose uh, is staying in Minnesota for another year. Jimmy's still there. Taj is there. Um, so, I mean, I don't necessarily know if that's going to happen. That just seems like the running joke because Thibodeau is assembling all of his former Bulls there. What I will say is this. I hope that Joakim finds a new chapter in his NBA career and his last chapter is not what he just had with the Knicks. I hope he makes a comeback on some team. Bulls fans are saying bring him back home. Obviously, this season, that's not happening. I don't think it's a good idea. I wouldn't be opposed to Joakim coming back on like a veteran minimum one-year deal when he's just about ready to retire and basically serve as a player coach and a leader for the young guys, much like KG spent his one final season in Minnesota. Didn't really play all that much, but was a a mentor for the young big that they had, Carl Anthony Towns. I would love to see Joakim end his NBA career in Chicago playing a role like that, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Yeah, he looks in really good shape, too, for what that's worth. He's been busting his ass this offseason. Yeah, and I've seen videos of him, too, and it, he looks in fantastic shape. It's just a matter of how if he can stay healthy. So I I, I feel for Joakim Noah, but both you and Mark Carazolis need to hit the brakes as far as on Twitter pleading for him to come back because I don't... No, I'm not pleading for him to come back now. That makes no sense, and that's what I said on Twitter. I said before he retires, I'd like him to sign a one-year vet minimum deal to just come you know bookend his NBA career where it began here in Chicago and be a leader for a young team I could see that and let's hope Joakim Noah can stay in the league for two or three more years when we get to that point where the Bulls are super competitive and can kind of mentor some of these other guys because you consider that two or three years down the road like Lauri Markkinen Wendell Carter Jr. are still all going to be under 25 uh so yeah I could see that too but uh yeah, we've we've got way too big of a loaded backcourt and a lot of useless guys. We don't need another useless player on our team and useless in the point in the meaning of Joakim just just doesn't fit on this Bulls team anymore. But that would be a good idea. I think the KG role would be really cool for him and him to come back here where he was loved for so many years. Uh, so yeah, I hope he still stays in the I, NBA. Dude, he was doing a march in Chicago just a couple weeks ago. Did you see that right in the news? Yeah, I did. That he he participated in that uh, you know in that peaceful protest march uh, that uh, was happening. I think it actually happened like the day before Lala or the first day of Lala last week. Yeah, where they marched so all the clearly, way down and, Lakeshore Drive to yeah. end at Wrigley Field. And Joakim was there marching, and obviously the Noah's Ark Foundation is still very active in Chicago. He's got the the rock your drop, uh, you know, pray for peace kind of um, activism and the community outreach going on in Chicago. And and he said that in his parting words to the city of Chicago, which was much better than the one that Kawhi maybe kind of gave to the city of San Antonio earlier this week, which was a joke. Um, I, I, did you see that Kawhi letter to San Antonio Spurs fans? Yeah, it was terrible. that was, that was Awful. brutal. Clearly just like cookie cutter written by his agent, garbage. Chicago, uh, Chicago got a beautiful farewell from Joe Keem. And it was largely talking about, you know, I loved my teammates. We had some great fun seasons. I'm sorry we couldn't reach the ultimate goal of a championship. But so much of what Chicago has meant to me has been the outreach to the city and the kids of this city. And 
I, you know, he still wants to to be involved in that. And if he can keep that going and somehow at some point come back and finish his career on the court here in Chicago too, I would absolutely love that. I th- I think Joe Kim's number should be hanging in the rafter someday. I really do. I know they didn't win a championship, but that dude's just oh, I just love him. I miss him. <laughs> I, I, I can't lie. I, I love him and I miss him so much. It'd be interesting. But it makes no sense to, to bring him in right now. No, it'd be interesting <laughs> to see if they ever decided to retire his number. That's uh, that's a different conversation to have, I think. I think a lot of Bulls fans in the current era, too, and a lot of younger Bulls fans, maybe like myself, who really, you know, even younger than I am, remember as being a Bulls fan growing up, this is really was their first taste and they loved this team and, you know, even fans maybe a little bit older that do remember the 90s era Bulls, this was like the second team to really fall in love with. The most excited I got as a Bulls fan since the dynasty ended was Joe Keem's steal coast-to-coast dunk in Game 6 against the Celtics in 2009. Oh, that like, was there, great. There were some fun times in between then. The baby Bulls, the, you know, the baby Bulls that unexpectedly knocked off the reigning champion Heat in the first round a few years before that happened. And, you know, the the early years, Lou Wall and Ben Gordon and Kirk and Nocioni, like those were some fun teams. But when Joe Keem had that steal of off Paul Pierce, coast to coast and one dunk, and the UC crowd went crazy, that is the the most excited I ever was as a Bulls fan since Jordan hit the shot in Utah in Game Six. Like that 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 alone, I will always just love and adore and remember Joe Keem fondly. And that was just one of so many great moments. Yeah, and then just you think about the antagonizer that he was, and I think. A lot of Chicago Bulls fans loved that about him. I just remember him like clapping the face of him and Lebr- uh, LeBron and Chris Bosh. LeBron and Chris Bosh. Just like going Absolutely. at each other and then Joe Keem's right there clapping in their face. That's like an all-time gif. Oh, the other one is him talking about Cleveland. Like, what's so good about Cleveland? I don't know about this place, man. I just stayed in my hotel room, man. Every time I look out my window, it's, it's pretty depressing out here, man. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> so you don't, you're not going out? No. No going out in Cleveland, man. It's all factories. Do you regret anything that you said about Cleveland? Not at all. You like it? You think Cleveland's cool? I mean, I never heard anybody say, I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. I mean, what's so good about Cleveland? Uh, that was like an all-time speech for me. If I can remember one thing that Joakim Noah said. Oh, and there's another one, too. Always a classic. Uh, the, the screen grab of... Noah after a game and it's literally the tag underneath his name just says uh, Joakim Noah knows how to post videos to Facebook that we used to be Stacey <laughs> King's big line um, so I'll always remember his antics too on top of his phenomenal play with this Bulls team so yeah I hope his NBA career is good uh, going forward and he can stay in the league and stick it's with somebody crazy to think that like you know and that's why I'm still holding out some hope that he can contribute uh, in a positive way to an NBA team, and it, like as you said, it was just—it's been a rocky couple of years with the Knicks. It didn't really work out. He didn't gel with the coach. Wasn't playing that well because he was clearly not playing 100% healthy. You hope even as he's now in his 30s, he can get himself another healthy season or two. I mean, I saw this on Twitter just earlier this morning, and it blew my mind. It was only four years ago that Joakim Noah not only won Defensive Player of the Year but came in fourth in MVP voting. Defensive Player of the Year and fourth in MVP votes was 2013-14 Joe Keane. Four years ago. 
That's nuts. We got to take a short break here on Locked on Bulls, but when we come back, we're talking about our star, our cornerstone. That is Lowry Markkinen. We will discuss something I saw on Twitter, and this is something I've been going back and forth about for about a month or so. Uh, Some comparisons about his rookie season, maybe some player comparisons as well, and where his career arc could be going. So we'll talk about that and so much more. Stay right here with us at Locked on Bulls. Be back in 60 seconds. All right, back here on Locked on Bulls. You can hit us up at 331-979-1369. Text messages and voicemails there. Hit us up with all of your thoughts. We want to hear from you. Drop us a voicemail, 331-979-1369. You can follow us on social media, too, at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck on Twitter. So I saw this come across my timeline a couple days ago, and it was about Lowry Markkinen and about Kristaps Porzingis. And this is a conversation I think you and I slightly had uh, when we were trying to come up with comps for Lowry Markkinen throughout the season. Uh, You look at their numbers, though, very similar on the offensive side of the ball, and someone was just making the point that Lowry Markkinen is coming for the crown of the unicorn. Um, while I feel like the offensive side of the ball there is a pretty solid comparison, there are also some major gaps in talking about Kristaps' game in his rookie season and also Lowry Markkinen's game. So I guess I would ask you, Matt, the defensive flaws that Lowry Markkinen does have and maybe Kristaps capitalizes on that and maybe Lowry Markkinen is a better shooter in his rookie year than Kristaps was, how far off do you feel like this comparison is? And do you feel like it's realistic expectation for kind of Lowry to follow that three-year plan minus the ACL and injury, but follow that three-year plan that Kristaps Porzingis was on with yeah, the Yeah, I feel like we could do without an additional young prospect that has an ACL tear in his <laughs> rearview mirror. Knock on wood, yeah. knock on every single piece of wood for you real. have in your house right now. Um, I mean, it's crazy when you go down the line of uh, the – basketball reference player comparison for Markin and Kristaps. Um, and I'm looking at this of the average of Kristaps' three seasons. And other than Kristaps averaging 17.8 points to, to Lowry's 15.2 in his rookie year, um, Lowry played one fewer minute per game, but uh, their, to- their overall field goal percentage was nearly identical, 43.4 to 43.7. Three-point uh, percentage almost identical 36.2 36.1 two point field goal percentage uh Lowry a little bit better 49.7 to Kristaps 46.7 uh free throw percentage Lowry shot 84 to Kristaps 80 offensive rebounds Kristaps has a slight edge total rebounds Lowry has the slight edge at 7.5 to 7.1 nearly identical in assists 1.2 to 1.3 and as you were mentioning there the defense uh the one big difference maker in in Kristaps favor through his first three seasons averaging two blocks a game whereas Lowry only had 0.6 per game as a rookie um I feel like you should adjust that defense uh that uh, blocks per game rate for Lowry and the one he had where he smashed it off Steph Curry's face in that Warriors game should count for like 10 blocks just just because that was awesome um <laughs> It's an interesting comparison. I feel like people want to compare them just because they're both Euro players and they're both, you know, seven footers. And I just, you know, rattled off their stat lines that are very, very similar. But I feel like Kristaps showed us more through the early parts of his career as far as his offensive versatility than we got to see from Lowry last season. You and I have talked about how Lowry's bulked up. He's added like 50 pounds of muscle. We're excited to see him work in the post um, and 
play in that front court with Wendell, who can help him spread the floor, give Markkanen more room to operate. Um, because we, like we've seen some some nice post moves from Chris Stapps in his early NBA career, more so than we saw from Markkanen. Not that Markkanen like didn't at all, and when he did, it was bad. It's just that he didn't do a whole lot of post stuff last season. So I think yeah, they're an interesting comparison right now. I would say Chris Stapps is the more rounded offensively efficient player even though some of Markkanen's numbers offensively are just like a shade better yeah a few other numbers on that just the defensive side of the ball too maybe some of the advanced analytics here so in Laurie Markkanen's rookie year he was an offensive rating of 107 and a defensive rating of 110 so that makes him a combined negative three rating um, net rating and then you look at Kristaps Porzingis he was a 103 in his rookie year offensive and defensive 103 so a little bit better of a defender but a little bit of a worse offensive player but his game kind of matched up uh, you see his net rating being even in his rookie year I think you also look at his defense his offensive and defensive box plus minus Lowry Markkinen and Kristaps aren't that far off as far as their offense goes is in their rookie year. Lowry was a negative point six uh, offensive box plus minus. Kristaps was a negative point eight. Then the defensive side of it, Lowry was a little bit worse than Kristaps was, and this is where you can see the slight edge go to Kristaps. And Lowry was a negative one point three, and Kristaps in his rookie year was a point nine. You also brought, brought up the blocks too, and that I think is a major distinction between Porzingis and Markkinen in their rookie years. Porzingis Zingas had 134 blocks in his rookie year. Lowry Markkinen only had 40. So you look at that and you could maybe make the argument that maybe Lowry Markkinen did have the better offensive year, which he did. He scored more points than Kristaps Porzingis did. He nailed way more threes than Porzingis did in his first year. So I think there's a lot of really... Well, yeah. I mean, he was the fastest to uh, to 103 pointers in the league history. Yeah, and you think about that for a big man. 145 threes he hit this year. That's a hell of a lot for a big man, and especially a rookie. So I think there's all good things. And I think the more important question is, is can Lowry Markkinen take what he did last year and build off of it in the second year, the way Kristaps Porzingis was able to do that. And more importantly, you take that second year and who can you really turn it on and turn the corner in year three? That's what we always talk about in the NBA is your year three players. That's usually when you see a breakout and you really understand, start to understand what a player is and what he isn't in this league. So I, I do think the comparisons are there. Maybe a slight edge to Kristaps in his rookie season just because the defensive numbers were better, but they're not as bad as I think people are talking about and saying, and especially about Lowry Markkinen too. I don't think he's as bad of a defender as people were saying he was last year. And you've also got to take into account too that team wasn't very good last year. The Bulls were one of the worst teams last year. So you take That's fair. you take that into account. I also, I mean, something to mention when, you know, yes, Kristaps is better blocking shots than Lowry. I think Markkinen has the potential to be a, a better rim protector than what we thought he would be coming into the draft. I think he already proved that in his rookie season. Let's also not ignore the fact that Kristaps is like an inch and a half taller than Lowry, and his uh, Kristaps is working with a seven six wingspan, where Mars, whereas Markkinen's wingspan is only six eleven. So, like, yeah, that dude's probably going to have more blocks based on those measurements alone. I wanted to give you a couple more comparisons too. I just had. 
of players in their rookie season? Because, you know, you said, you know, it's kind of a lazy comparison when you're taking two white guys that are from overseas and kind of matching them up the way that we did early on with Dirk Nowitzki and people like to do that. So I wanted to give you a couple other comparisons of guys that had similar rookie years to Lowry Markkinen. And you tell me where you feel like you would stop and say what a floor is for one of these guys and maybe what a ceiling is for one of these guys. So I came across a few different names. And if anybody out there can think of other names that you would say had similar seasons. So one was Lamar Odom, 1999 to 2000. Lamar Odom had a really good rookie year. Another one was Anton Walker, another really successful NBA player and NBA champion as well. Uh, another one was Chris Bosh, Dirk Nowitzki, and then ultimately Kristaps Porzingis. So I think the two that I pulled that people didn't necessarily talk about, or I guess the three is Bosh, Odom, and Walker. Uh, all of those guys, similar points per game numbers, similar rebound numbers, similar assists numbers. Um, the one thing that I think differentiates these guys is what we were talking about, the blocking numbers. Uh, but the rebound numbers are similar there. The Lowry Markin is definitely the best of the, the bunch of these as far as three-pointers go in their rookie season. So a lot of these guys, you look over their career and see what their career arc was, uh, you can see different tiers of way, maybe what Lowry Markkinen can be. Does any of those guys that I just named for you, Anton Walker, Lamar Odom, Chris Bosh, Kristaps Porzingis, and Dirk Nowitzki, any of those guys you're saying, eh, I, I could see a floor for that, and any of those guys that kind of pique your interest and say, that's the ceiling that I want Markkinen to be at? I am hoping that Markkinen has a ceiling higher than Lamar Odom and Antoine Walker. Not to take anything away from those guys. They are good players. Um, and they were very important players on pretty good teams. Uh, you know, Lamar Odom was an integral part to some of those Lakers teams that won titles. And, you know, Antoine Walker was on some pretty good uh, teams through, you know, uh, multiple cities. Like, he played on good teams uh, in different, uh, you know, in different NBA markets over the course of his career. But... I, and look, this is me being optimistic, and this is me being hopeful when you're talking about a player's floor, floor and a player's ceiling. Based on what we saw as a rookie and where the NBA is headed as far as players who are really you know, optimally built for being useful as an NBA player who is versatile offensively and can at least hold their weight defensively, I would like it if Markkinen's ceiling is higher than Lamar Odom and higher than Antoine Walker. Because we've talked about Markkinen turning into a perennial all-star kind of talent. And there, there is a difference of opinion among the fan base right now, and that's totally okay, as to whether or not that that is his ceiling. A perennial all-star type player. I think you and I are optimistically but cautiously hoping that that can be his ceiling. And if that is his ceiling, that means he's better than Antoine Walker and he's better than Lamar Odom. Prime Chris Bosh, I'd say that's a pretty awesome, you know, uh, ceiling comparison to make. The weird thing is, is it's hard to find guys that shot the volume of threes that Lowry did and finding guys that have the stroke that he does. And that's like, something that Chris Bosh did more of when he went to Miami. Later in his career. When he went to Miami and he was the third scoring option behind LeBron and Wade, he became more of an outside shooter. But when he was the guy in Toronto... 
Chris Boss wasn't wasn't really a three point shooter. Yeah, he he didn't take hardly any in his rookie year. You look at it; he averaged point two threes in his rookie season. So you're right. So I think this is kind of a good way to look at tier systems as far as marketing goes. Because you look at their numbers, and I'll post this in our episode and on our Twitter feed as well. Uh, the c- comparisons of all of these guys in their rookie seasons. The cool thing is, is they all are playing similar to the same position. They're all shooters. They're all guys that outside of Chris Bosh started and started their rookie season in year one. Um, all of these guys too made first team all rookie their their rookie seasons, which is kind of cool to think about too. So that's that's something that I wanted to preface as well is like where do you set the tiers for Lowry Markin? And so I think our floor, and I think I agree with you too, is Lamar Odom. The floor is 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 him staying around this sixteen to eighteen points per game, being a guy that can grab you anywhere between seven and nine rebounds and shoot the three at a pretty decent clip. Obviously, Lamar Odom's best three point years were early on in his career uh, but you look at that and I think Lowry Markin is definitely the better three-point shooter all of them are similar defensive players too but I would say like Anton Walker too if Lowry Markin doesn't reach the peak of like a Chris Bosh or a Dirk Nowitzki or maybe what we thought Kristaps was going to be and we'll see what happens with the ACL injury I Anton Anton Walker is not a bad comp for him if he ends up turning out to be that three-time all-star but I mean yeah only three all-star appearances Right. And 32.5 uh, career three-point percentage and average 17.5 points per game for his career. And that is weighed down by his final two seasons in Miami when he was a role player off the bench and only averaged like eight and a half and eight points per game. But he only had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five seasons averaging 20 or more points per game. And most of those came early. And... You know, and his career lasted what 10, 10 seasons, eleven, eight seasons. That's half the seasons we were scoring over twenty points per game. That's that's pretty good, man. Like we're ta- yeah. like I know you, I know both of us are shooting for the stars here and hoping Markinen is a superstar. But just looking at the realistic options, Anton Walker is really not a bad comp at all. Wait, you think about? I mean, no. Okay, so that's not more than half his seasons. It's he played. No, he played, yeah, he played, he, 11, he played seasons. 11 seasons. Yeah, okay. So five five seasons where he scored 20 points or more, and the one season where he had to split time, he in Atlanta in 53 games, he shot over 20.4 points per game. So you can look at that, too, and say, okay, maybe there was a sixth season in there as well. My realistic option here is if, if Markkinen turns out to be a guy that can score you 20, 20 points or more per game, and then in like one or two of these seasons, he's close to a double-double, like... That's pretty damn good, man. Like, if he doesn't turn out to be a superstar, but he's a multi, multi-time multi all-star at the seventh pick, like, that's pretty damn good. And Antoine Walker was a really, it's, really good it's player. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, but it's not good enough, I think is my point. True. If his if his comp ceiling is Antoine Walker, that's cool. And maybe he, Lowry gets a couple of all-star nods at some point in his career, and he's a guy who scores 20 and grabs 10. And those are useful guys to have on your team. But when you're talking about which players we believe in, and again, this goes back to the fan base is split on this right now, as far as which guy coming into this 18-19 season has the highest ceiling and the most potential to be a perennial all-star kind of player in this league, borderline superstar. Some people believe that's Zach Levine. Some people want to believe that's Jabari Parker. I think you and I, and a sizable part of the fan base, want to believe that that cornerstone piece is Lowry Markkinen. And if at best for four or five seasons, he's given you 
21, 22 per game. I'm sorry, that is not that that's not good enough to be the guy on a team that actually goes and contends for champion. And and there there are a lot of Bulls fans who believe that we don't have that piece on our roster yet. And I, you know, if it's not Lowry, then count me as a part of that contingency because if it's not Lowry, then I don't believe it's anybody else on this roster right now. And that's no offense to anybody who who is, but we're, you're talking about trading away Jimmy Butler because they didn't believe he could be the guy on a championship team. If Lowry is at a ceiling, a comp to Antoine Walker at his best, who's the better player, Antoine Walker or Jimmy Butler? Because to me, it's Jimmy Butler. You're probably right. You're probably right. But that goes back to a different conversation, man. Like you're talking about paying a guy like we had talked about a max contract. Yeah, I, the reason the reasons for trading Jimmy are the reason for trading Jimmy, and you you know that I was in favor right. of doing so. I'm just saying, if you're talking about wanting to believe in. Lowry Markkinen being the guy, number one option on your team that is going to contend, make deep playoff runs, eventually get back to championship contention. If his if his ceiling is Antoine Walker, that's not good enough. And I agree with you. If you're talking about just single player on this team to carry and be a cornerstone, sure, Antoine Walker is not enough. That's not enough. Um, so, But if you're talking about guys that can maybe t- turn into something like Side by side with a multi-time all-star and Zach Levine, if that turns out to be something, like then we're then we're cooking here. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, or if Wendell Carter Jr. turns out to be a star rising, like that could be something good too. I agree with you though. If you're going to build around somebody and maybe some of these guys aren't going to turn out to be what we think they are, marketing needs to be better than what you're saying. Is an Anton Walker who's a three-time all-star and at his best was 22.4 points per game, 10.2 rebounds, and 3.3 assists. Um, wasn't that big of a blocking power forward, but still, I, I think you're right. I think Antoine Walker is a good comp if, and that's a big if, if other guys around him pop off the way that we think they're going to, like Zach Levine and, and Chris Dunn. And also, Jabari. you sure as hell hope that Markkinen's career three-point percentage is better than 32-5. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think that's, that, that's a part of Antoine's game that was never really a, a focal point. That's the hard part, is finding a comp for guys that are going to shoot the volume of threes that Lowry Markkinen's going to shoot. That's really difficult to find. So it's almost like an outlier at that point. So I don't think a lot of people really realize where this could potentially be as far as his game and his three-point shot goes so you know it's hard to find guys that played like in the late 90s early 2000s mid 2000s that comp to Lowry Markkinen's rookie season is it, just because people weren't shooting that many threes right exactly although I mean this is crazy I'm looking at Antoine right now some of his highest three-point attempt seasons came in the the latter Boston years in 2000-2001 he took 7.4 threes per game and hit him at a 36.7% clip. And in that season, he was averaging 23.4 points per game. Following season, still in Boston, eight three threes jacked a game, 34.4%, 22.1 points per game. Uh, and then the following season, his final season in Boston, uh, dipped back down to 7.5 attempts per game, hit at 32.3%. So, I mean, for those days, those early 2000s, shooting seven and a half, eight threes a game, that's a high volume, and it's a high volume for someone like Antoine, who that was not really his specialty. So I can see it. So I guess we're going lowest tier is Lamar Odom, which we hope that would be if everything goes wrong, but he's still kind of a productive player. That would be the lowest bar set. I think our next bar would probably be Anton Walker. I don't know. You could argue Chris Bosh, too, in there. Um, I, I still think if you can get a longer 
a longevity of Antoine Walker's peak of his career, and that turns out to be Lowry Markkinen. Instead of three years, it turns out to be five or six or seven. Um, I think he's probably interchangeable between tier four and tier three. And same with Chris Bosh, too. And Chris Bosh is a, is a hell of a good player. And to be an 11-time All-Star, that's that's a pretty high precedence to set. Um, so Chris Bosh, probably tier three. I would say tier two would maybe be Kristaps Porzingis, and then obviously tier one would be be turning out to be Dirk Nowitzki, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably how you would tier that. I, I have no disagreements with how you order those. So I think it's a good conversation. I'll tweet this out, and I want to see people's reaction to this as well because these are all pretty solid comps for, and this is just going off rookie seasons and then thinking about these players' career after that and the one thing keep in mind too these players I picked because all all six of these players did receive first team all rookie honors uh, so keep that in mind as well I think if any of you guys can come up with any other comps that you th- think might be viable for Lowry Markin in his rookie season and maybe a path that he should be on uh, tweet at us at Lockdown Bulls at Jordan C. Malley and at Bulls underscore Peck or drop us a text message or a voicemail 331-979-1369 that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. But once again, you can follow us on social media. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com in the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Like I said, drop us a text message or a voicemail, three. 331-979-1369. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation have a wonderful weekend. We back to, on Monday with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, have a wonderful weekend, Bulls Nation. We are out. Deuces. Better hit those lanes this weekend, Jordan. Bobby's coming for you. <laughs> Bobby's coming for you. I'm not scared. Yeah, you are. You should be. <laughs> Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com.